Welcome to the LAPUX podcast, where we feature practical insights on how to lead with authenticity and courage in a changing world. This podcast is part of a growing collection of conversations with thought leaders in the corporate and nonprofit world who exemplify Christ-centered leadership. These thought leaders influence and contribute to meaningful professional development opportunities that seed our growing list of certificates and digital badges designed by our award-winning team who create world-class learning experiences that put humanity back into learning. Join us today in this journey to innovate and show the world what agile learning can be. Hello, listeners, and welcome to our podcast in the series Resilient Leaders in a VUCA World. We have been talking about what a VUCA leader looks like. We are now in the series of disciplines that uh, authentic leaders need to have in these disruptive and fast-changing times. And today's topic is the topic of being authentic as a leader in a disruptive environment. With me, I have Dr. Kurt Takemini. Kurt is an academic, uh, well-known, two doctorates. He has co-edited a book uh, with myself on uh, authentic leadership. Leading After God's Own Heart, has taught on it, has served on boards such as Greenleaf, and um, is really an authority in this area. So thank you, Kurt, for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Reynolds. It's a great opportunity and honor to be with you. Well, good. Let's just get into it, and we'll see where we go from there. So as you know, I've been writing a blog series on this, and in a recent blog on authentic leadership, I made this statement. I said, leaders in disruptive times can only meet the new daily and unexpected changes of leadership if they are genuine in who they really are. That is, they are genuine or authentic leaders. As an expert and a kind of an author in this area, what's your response to that statement? Well, I think that this is uh, so spot on right now with all that's going on in the Ukraine, what's happening uh, right around the corner with all the issues that the current uh, American administration is facing with inflation and things like that. And of course, who knows what the next wave of COVID-19 will be or the next variant. So we are in a constant flux of change. And in fact, I think we just anticipate that change is coming fast and furious and that we have to be ready for it. So this whole topic that you're bringing to light really allows us to look at what a disruptive time leadership looks like. Yeah, it's, it's almost we've got to a point where we're accelerating an accelerated world. Um, anyway, it seems like the, mm-hmm. the gas is just uh, moving faster and faster with that. I mentioned in the introduction, you and I had co-edited a book on authentic leadership. We know that the first real basic element of almost all leadership theory, including authentic leaderships, is to know yourselves well. Authentic leaders are extremely self-aware. Have you seen that play out during the pandemic more than in the past, perhaps? Very much so. I think that um, we saw leaders, at least in our field of interest in higher education, really being disrupted, not knowing what to do with students not coming to campus, And in our case, of course, we just kind of dove smoothly into the online education because we're there already, but many universities were not. And so it was with great interest that I was watching them as they made that transition and how they had to deal with distance learning, especially when many of the faculty that they had were not really big proponents of it. And I'm not even sure that they are currently. 
one of the, the key verses that came to mind when we talked about uh, self-awareness in the book was Romans 12, 3, when it talks about having a sane estimate of who we are. And that really called into play who higher ed administrators were, who the leaders were as they guided this group of academics through a time where they could not even anticipate. And it was amazing how authentic leadership came to the forefront of that. I was reading a article by uh, Gardner and Avolio and Luthens, and they were talking about authentic leadership basically as remaining true to oneself. So they were talking about mindfulness in thoughts and in feelings, uh, what the leader is dealing with on a daily basis. But I would also add what actions that that leader took, whether he or she was the type of leader that made quick and decisive kind of uh, movements, or whether they were a little bit more cognitive, a little bit more uh, strategic in the way that they made their decisions more patient. So it was just a real case study in watching leaders in action. So I, I found that fascinating. I know you do a lot of mentoring and coaching, and if self-awareness is such an important part of both leadership and authentic leadership. Mm -hmm. Do you have any kind of tips on how a emerging leader might develop their self-awareness? One of the, the things I found is to kind of along the mindfulness aspect is to interview yourself. And uh, what I mean by that is in interviews, they always ask this question, tell us a time when you failed at work and what happened and how can you keep that from happening in the future? And I think that that's a great reflective question to ask ourselves uh, during times of disruption. What have we done that worked well? What are some things that we could improve? And so that's one tip is just interview yourself. Another, a little bit more challenging, maybe threatening to some is to do a 360 assessment. And that's where you have your people around you could be your boss, could be your colleagues, it could be your direct reports who evaluate how you are as a leader in a given situation. I think it's one of the best ways to learn how other people perceive you as a leader, but it has to be anonymous. Otherwise, people aren't going to be truthful. So that's another thing one could do is to do a 360 assessment. But along with that, another tip is that they could do other assessments like there's the uh, emotional intelligent assessment or inventory. There's, of course, what we most of us do at LAPU, and that's StrengthsFinders 2.0. We could take that and find out how our strengths play into a disruptive situation. Myers-Briggs, 16PF, and, and kind of the, the one that's in your bailiwick is a PSYCAPS or the psychological capital inventory. So those and many more could help guide a person, find out more about who they are. And it's a self-assessment, of course, but at least you can find out where your strengths are and where there might be some areas of development. And there's yeah. two more. One is hire a coach. He would be a kind of a person that you would want to give you an objective perspective on you as a leader. And finally, the last one is, and maybe this should be the first, is to ask the Lord to be able to um, look at us, to Psalm 139 us, you know, where it says, search me, O God, and, and know my heart. 
test me and know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I think it's so critical that we spend that time with the Holy Spirit as he directs us, improving us, wants us to be successful. And uh, the more we connect with him, the greater the chance that we could be authentic. Yeah, those are five great ways of doing it. Um, yeah, probably the challenge I have as a leader is that um, I'm pretty kind to myself um, yeah. <laughs> in terms of, uh, where I am and uh, having some external review accountability group. I know some individuals have almost personal boards, you know, that they feel that they all like a CEO is accountable to a board, they're accountable. To, and um, somebody will actually call you out warts and all. Yeah, that, that's a, a great set of tips um, for those of you who are looking at how to develop and identify your own self awareness. So the other thing that um, I've noticed actually through these changing times is that leaders have had to become far more vulnerable and transparent in terms of what they do. Maybe it's a technology, yeah, maybe it's a frequency that we've had to communicate over the last um, few years uh, with mm -hmm. that. How do you see that vulnerability and that kind of transparency tying up with authentic leaders? Because we know that one of the gang, one of the characteristics of authentic leaders is they, they are relationally transparent, right? And so yes. um, have you seen that change from what we've seen in theory and two years ago to perhaps what we're seeing in leaders today? Well, there's a, a style that I think the authentic leader has to master, especially in disruptive times, because people are panicking, people are unsure of the future, and they look to leaders to be able to guide them along. And I think we want to know that our leaders are real. They, we want to know that they're human and that they have faults. And um, yet also that they are overcomers because it gives us hope that we can get through whatever issues of life we're facing. I think that's the best use of being relationally transparent is to be able to connect with your people. Yeah, I think there's certainly... There's no we and them when it's in a chaotic and disruptive times. Uh, yes. we all, we're all going through the same thing. And sometimes there's this feeling that leaders are somewhere, somewhat marginalized you know, from that. But as my good wife keeps reminding, we still put our pants on one leg at a time. So <laughs> yeah, things yeah. just have to happen. And so that, that's, where, that's where it is. Yes. So um, as we kind of move toward the end, you know, the last characteristic we normally talk about is balanced processing, right? And mm -hmm. you know, in simply balanced processing is we don't throw our position or our title around in terms of how we work with teams and collaborate. Uh, we don't power up. Have you seen any changes over the last couple of years in, in terms of how balanced processing has played out? Do you have any examples of how it's, uh, you see it changing? I do. Uh, let me just kind of couch it in a definition that I like. And this was from an article that I read by Crawford and other researchers, but he said that balanced processing is the tendency to consider all relevant information available and using this to make decisions that benefit the followers. And I thought that that was interesting because number one, he talks about it's a tendency. He didn't want to posit it in a way that said, this is the definitive last word on decision-making or data gathering. And this, the other thing that I thought stuck out to me in this very short, but I think poignant definition is all relevant information available. Now, sometimes 
we don't have all of the information that we would like, but we have to make a decision at some point because we have to expedite the process. Well, we do the best we can with what we have. And finally, uh, in this de definition that I thought was great, is to make decisions that benefit the followers. And I didn't see that in too many of the other definitions. Maybe it was inferred or implied, but I like the fact that Crawford and his uh, colleagues actually identified that straight up. Making decisions that benefit the followers was great to me. So let me give you examples. One was, if you remember when the Challenger exploded, and that was mid 80s. So some, some of the people who are listening probably weren't even born. But this is when uh, the, the Challenger went up and they had for the first time, Christine Olive, I think was her name. She was a, a school teacher and she was a non-astronaut. And so there was a big hoop de do about that. Well, unfortunately, as we were all watching this, 77 seconds into the launch, the Challenger exploded, killing all seven astronauts on board. And, uh, you know, to a shock nation who was watching this in real time, the problem was a very small O-ring was not functional at anything lower than 53 degrees. And they were launching, I think at the time was 36 degrees. And so this small little thing, this O-ring, caused gases to escape, and that blew up the Challenger. Well, a commission was pulled together. They went ahead and they did a uh, post-evaluative on it and found that there was a serious flaw in the decision-making process leading up to the launch. Well, they did not have a balanced processing approach is how we could say it today. That's unfortunate because there are times where we might make the wrong, in, the wrong choice, the wrong decision because of pride or because we um, refuse to hear all the information, whatever the case may be. But that was a, a deleterious outcome, unfortunately. Similarly, and this is more of a cultural issue. In Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outlier, he gives an example of how Korean Air had seven major catastrophes within a 10-year period of time, which was huge. And they found out that the reason this happened was the cockpit crew was afraid to confront the captain. So even though they said, hey, there's icing on the wings, or we're running low on fuel, or we're not flying at the right altitude, they would not share that information with the captain because the captain would put them down. And so they had to hire someone to come in, and he was Mr. Cho. And Mr. Cho came in and eliminated the power differential between captains and subordinates. In other words, he said, look it. We're going to be all equal here in the cockpit. We're not going to have a superiority of the captain over the rest of the, the cockpit crew. We're going to listen to one another and we're going to work together as a team. And as a result of that simple move, Korean Air has not had any more major airline catastrophes. So that's a, a cultural aspect. But the, the last example is a positive one. 
And so Tom, who's a, an Asian entrepreneur, he heads up his own successful IT firm. And whenever he has a meeting, he gave his direct reports permission to critique his and other people's ideas, even if people called the plans misguided or ill-advised. Now, of course, they have to give this type of candor with respect. They want to make sure they respect the people that are, are there at the meeting, but they also want to be very truthful and honest and balanced in their approach. And because of that, he has seen a great esprit de corps. People got behind each and every project that they have launched, and they've seen it to a successful conclusion. And I, I really think this is living out balanced processing in a positive way. So uh, organizations that can do that can really reap the benefits of completion and experience and expertise in the process. That's so important because you can't actually call yourself an authentic leader, right? So that would be a little, mm. little arrogance. Any yeah. others can actually <laughs> recognize and identify you as being authentic. And so the idea of followers actually being able to critique it and, and give, as you say, respectful, what we call you know, constructive criticism, I guess, you know, with that is really, really important. Yeah. So um, kind of to finish it off, your last kind of words of wisdom to our listeners two or three steps that you'd give in terms of leaders wanting to develop the authentic selves, what would those steps be? The first one is to be unwavering in your mission, your vision, your virtues, and your values. So who you are as a person, those are things that cannot be changed or ignored. You know, it's, it's so easy to succumb to the pressures of life, at least for me you know, we can sometimes forget what's really important here. So I think back to um, what Martin Luther purportedly had said, and he says, I have so much to do today that rather than devoting just my normal two hours to prayer, I have to devote three. Uh, even if I prayed a good long time, I think when the pressure of life tunes up, I would be more apt to shorten my prayer time, not lengthen it. But I love what uh, Martin Luther said, at least from the standpoint of, it would give me something to shoot for, okay? The second thing that, that I found uh, was critical is find an organization that fits you. Don't try and adapt to a, a different kind of an organization. So what I mean by that is, each organization has a fit, and the people that do really well in that organization are a natural fit for it. You be you. You have to be who you are and find that organization that appreciates you and will find that place for you to excel and to thrive. And finally, the last thing is to focus on helping others reach their full potential. I think, to me, that's authentic leadership in a nutshell. If I could distill it down, if we can help find their God-given mission, you know, how great would that be? I mean, they will never, ever forget their experience. When we look at work as kind of an ordained activity of the Lord, we want to make sure that we, as uh, those who are gifted with being a leader, 
sees that as a divine opportunity to change the lives of those people that we are influencing. And likewise, they will change us. So I think when all that happens, we'll see authentic leadership, even in times of divergence and disruption. Good thought. So know your passion, okay? Know where your passion fits in the organization. Mm -hmm. You feel called to make it happen, pathways you can take. Yes. Kurt, been so good having you on the call with us today and appreciate who you are and your studies and your understanding of authentic leadership. So that's the end of this authentic leadership. Stay tuned for our next episode, the episodes on risk and rewards, and that will be coming up shortly. So thank you again, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the LAPUX podcast. We sincerely hope you enjoyed learning something new today and that you have at least one takeaway to use immediately in your professional life. Please take a few seconds to review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We value your feedback so highly because we're doing this for you. Please also subscribe to this podcast where we will be providing you with leadership training and resources as we hear from more Christian leaders from all over the world. Connect with us on social media so we can journey by learning together. All of our channels are listed in the show description. Before you go, we want to invite you to visit x.lapu.edu to see the courses that we've created for you. Check back often as we are always developing new offerings. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, we're here to help you become a better you. So check out x.lapu.edu.